Welcome to Essentials in Balance. Today we're talking about motivation in consulting. Our panelists are Jill Sidoti and Ted Goodman. This roundtable discussion was recorded on February 7, 2018, and has been edited for time. So this is another sort of episode of our TED Talks, and so do some other people. In this case, Ted will be talking. The other people will be myself, John Cackley, and Jill Sidoti uh, as our panel. Uh, thanks all for joining, and let's go ahead and get started. A recent Centric Book Club uh, book, uh, first of all, hopefully everyone is familiar with Centric Book Club. Heather Bohorek out of St. Louis uh, has been running this. You should, should have seen emails on it. One book she recently uh, covered with everyone was the book Drive by Daniel Pink. So first of all, quick quick check. Uh, Jill and Ted, have you seen, have, have you read this book? Yes, I read it with the book club. Okay. I did not read it, actually. Okay. Well, maybe there's an excerpt in an in-flight magazine that you could have covered. Uh, anyway, so, Jill, what do you remember about the book? Want to give, uh, do you remember enough for a summary, or I can jump into that? Well, well, what I remember most is it really got me thinking about motivation and, and what excites me. But um, I, I just remember a lot, of, um, a lot of anecdotes in it, but I can't actually relate one at the moment. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Really terrible. That's all right. So, so the main theme of the book uh, is that we generally aren't motivated specifically by money and promotion in a lot of cases. It sort of goes back to what the hierarchy of needs. I forget who wrote that. Who uh, whose hierarchy of needs it is? But anyway, it's not. You know, once we have basic things met, of hey, I'm getting paid a reasonable amount of money or a fair amount of money, and I've got a decent title or job that matches my uh, where I want to be right now. Uh, that's not what motivates us anymore. What what Daniel Pink writes about a lot in this book is that we are motivated by things like results and outcomes. That is, we're on a project that we're really excited by. You know, imagine you were working at uh, uh, Tesla and you're really excited to help create a self-driving car. Just being on that project might be really exciting for you. But what I wanted to talk about, where this came from as a, as a topic for, for a centric panel is as a consultant, we don't always necessarily, first of all, we don't get to choose our projects, but we don't always share the same motivation as our clients. You know, a client might be excited by a project that's going to make their job much easier, but that's not necessarily going to come back to us, right? To us, it's another project. We get it a little bit out of context. You know, we want it to succeed, but it's, you know, when we're going to move on, it's not necessarily going to change our lives. So, the question uh, that then becomes, you know, what what is motivation for a consultant? Jill, could you start off? What what motivates you? What gets you excited about your job? I think probably it's two things. I, I usually get to be involved in just cool projects. So either something really neat is being built or something about an organization is being changed that the people are excited about and, and I get excited about being in that kind of an environment. And the other thing is just an opportunity to really do a good job at whatever is being put in front of me. You know, that is a motivator for me to bring my best to the table and stretch a little bit. Can I do this even better? Or is there a better way to do this that, that helps somebody? Put it all in a nutshell. We'll see if we have 45 minutes more of discussion because one of the, the yeah. big things about motivation is it comes from inside, right? You have to decide what's 
you know, what excites you about something, um, somebody else can't give that to you. So what you just described is if you think something is really cool or you're just you're just holding yourself to a standard, it may be a higher standard than than other people are expecting, but you're holding yourself to it and you want to push yourself a little higher. Two questions for you then, Ted. So first is what motivates you as a as a BU lead? Actually, I will answer that question, but I'm going to answer a different question first. Okay. And maybe actually tell a story. Before we go there, though, it's actually good, John, to hear that you're not motivated by money. Because we're, <laughs> because we're in the midst right now of annual review season, and we're deciding on people's raises and bonuses. And so I need to go into the spreadsheet here and make a few adjustments. So, Yeah, bad move on my part. That's uh, sure I've done that yeah. before. You, or you should have just waited until the week after next. Yeah. But um, So I have a story that goes back about, oh, it's kind of crazy to say this, but it's a little bit over 20 years ago. I was at a different consulting firm at the time, and I was a project manager. I think it's safe to go ahead and mention the name of the client. It was Bank of America was, was our client. And I was with a small kind of boutique consulting firm, uh, and B of A selected us for a reasonably sized project. And we had uh, we, we felt very much like the underdogs, right? Because Bank of America, this big company, had selected the little the little firm that I was with. And gosh darn it, we were going to prove to B of A that they had made the right choice. Um, so we we had a, a big stake in terms of proving to them that they'd made a good choice. And in some ways, we also felt a little bit indebted to the client because they'd taken a chance on us, and we wanted to make sure that we, as I mentioned, proved them right. So we had a methodology as part of this consulting firm where before a project would kick off, we'd spend a day just doing a quick start. And we'd actually have a facilitator come in from our shared services team who would run us through a series of exercises with the purpose of kind of building strong team unity. And one of the um, exercises as part of that quick start was, was developing like a team vision or a team purpose. I was in the San Francisco office, and the San Francisco office was a pretty small office. Uh, the other offices were Boston and New York, and they were much bigger. And so our consulting firm had very much of an East Coast-centric model, where San Francisco was just this small satellite office. And we felt like if we could do this project really well, it would also make people on the East Coast take notice of the San Francisco office. Um, and, and our goal was to basically turn the company from being East Coast focused to being, you know, East and West Coast. So in, in a way, we sort of, as a team, embraced achieving the impossible, not only proving to the client that they made the right choice, but also proving to our own company that we also rock on the West Coast. And we ended up coming up with the, the phrase that we want this project to go so well that it becomes the project that they talk about for years to come. Uh, we literally want to be legendary. And the word legendary actually stuck. Um, and it actually became a little bit of a joke. And we even, in the team room, put this big poster up that said legendary. But honestly, for me, uh, it kind of gave me goosebumps at the time because I was really serious about it you know, as the project manager. Anyway, it turns out the project did go really well. We found a way to continue to motivate ourselves. You know, We were delivering, and, and we were expecting B of A to keep up with us, and B of A uh, a lot of people within the client um, had said, hey, we've never done anything as complex as this before. And the last thing they wanted to have happen was to have it fail as well. So 
anyway, long story short, I kind of felt like it was my role as the PM to not only motivate myself, but also kind of create something that would get everyone kind of fired up. Um, and no one wanted to let each other down. No one wanted to prevent the team from being known as legendary. So maybe that may be part of the answer, you know, how do I motivate myself? Well, it's by trying to find things like that. You know, now in my role as BU lead, and especially in Seattle, I mean, I, I so want this team to experience the success that Chicago has experienced. Uh, I don't want it for me, I want it for them. You know, I, I want us to have as strong a brand in Seattle as we have in Chicago as well. Um, and I just want them all to feel that here. So I think that's what gets me motivated is just the desire to create a, a great company in Centric and have the, 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 the brand in, in Seattle be as strong as, as it is in, uh, in Chicago. Cool, love that answer. Uh, and you also jumped a little ahead on, on how you might help motivate others. So, but we'll come back to that. Moving on on that is, you know, great. You, you start off a project, you're motivated. So Jill, once you're going on a project, how do you stay motivated? Um, that is that is a really good question. I'm trying to think back to some of my recent projects because you know they all they all do kind of hit that point or things start getting real challenging and you get a little discouraged. Is another is another area, and I think sometimes it's it, it's been about taking a really short pause and looking at what you've done in order to get to where you're going. So a uh, project I was on last year. Uh, for a client was it was a small part of a really huge transformational project and our part of it wasn't super exciting to do um, but it was really kind of critical and we we worked along and slogged along and dealt with conflicting requirements and 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 got to a point where people were a little tired a little discouraged um, we weren't getting recognition for the work that we had done outside of our own little group. I actually, um, we had had kind of a contentious meeting one day and I, I stopped at the Jewel on my way home and picked up some some cookies or something. And, and our next day's meeting, I brought them in and, and I said, you know, everyone seemed kind of discouraged yesterday. So I'm, I'm just, I brought in some sugar to rectify all that. And by the way, keep in mind, this is what we've already done and how far we've come and we'll get through to the rest of it. So it was encouraging for me to kind of think about how to encourage the rest of the team and change the mood. So it pulled me up out of my little funk um, and and then help to, you know, get the team kind of looking at, hey, this isn't so bad. You know, we're, we, we've come a long way. We can do this. We can finish this out. Mm -hmm. That challenge of not just motivating yourselves, but motivating a team around us, and that reminder of celebration. And I was on a, a client a few years ago, and everyone seemed very, very down on the project. And I kept trying to convince people. I said, look, you, you guys bet your business. You bet your entire company on this project, and you won. You know, you're, you're back in, uh, in the bids you need to be in. You're getting customers. You know, you're making money. This is what you needed to do. This is a success. And it's like people, I think people just had this, I think the organization may have had an EUR complex. It, it couldn't get over the fact that it had been painted as a failure. And uh, I think at the moment that was maybe outside of my uh, magical talents at the time to try to get other people motivated to that. But that's, that's a sort of challenge that you think about. Is like, how do I get other people to see the success that I'm seeing? That's a real challenge. And actually, Ted, because I know you're a person who is never unmotivated, 
you can answer the question of what would you do in an or in a situation like I just described, where the you know your client or your team around you just can't see the uh, the wins. I think you have to go back to reminding people of the why, lifting it back up a level. There, there's certainly times where I'm personally discouraged, or I see other people that are discouraged, and I go back to what is it we're trying to accomplish together uh, in terms of say building centric and that, you know, our brand, what, what people are going to say about us out there are, are shaped based on each and every interaction they have with us and that we need to always be bringing our a game, even when we're discouraged or even when things feel start to feel mundane, you kind of have to go back to the core of why am I doing what I'm doing? And for me, and maybe I'm different than others, but I love, building a company together. And so it's very easy for me to always come back to what am I doing today that's improving the perception of Centric in the eyes of our clients and other people we're interacting with. Great. Maybe a different view of motivation. I think we've heard a couple different models here. I think Jill described maybe, I'm not saying you're an introvert, Jill, but sort of a little more the introvert model of, of being self-driven by your own standards and Ted, I think you're sort of demonstrating the extroverts model of, you know, your motivation comes along with the team's motivation and, and the team success. They both can work and they're both part of uh, part of good motivation. I actually have maybe a, uh, I don't know, a third model. I'm not sure how we'd fit it in psychologically. Model for other people as well is, is fear, which is not so much fear of failure, but sort of a, well, people think I'm this good at something or people think I should be you know, this adventurous, you know, go on, you know, adventure travel, or I'm, you know, I, I would do something not necessarily risky, but something that was more of a personal stretch. And, you know, once you have this, well, people expect me to push my, my limits. So, you know, that becomes the expectation. I have to do that, maybe not because I personally enjoy it, but because it's something where I go, well, that is something that you know, I've, I've built an expectation around and now I feel like I have to live up to it. And you guys, will, I'm sure, will charge me for the uh, uh, psychiatric care time later. But I think some kind of other, you know, that sort of external motivation applies to other people as well. I can't imagine I'm the only person who sort of does things like that. So another sort of scenario that I think comes up is, particularly for consultants, is when we change projects. You know, we can get really comfortable in a particular area and we can start to adopt a client's goals or motivations as our own. But it can be a real challenge then to switch projects. You know, we just when we feel like we, we know what we're doing and we're really adding value, now we work in a new environment, we're, we're back, to, back to square zero. Uh, so Jill, what do you think? Do you think you lose momentum? Maybe you, you lose a little bit of your motiv motivation or something when you switch projects? I don't know if losing momentum is the right thing because you're changing projects so, or, and or clients. So there's a ramp time no matter what you do. You can definitely get caught in some of the change reactions. So, you know, most people are, are averse to change on one, to one extent or another, even good change. And um, I think sometimes you look at it and go, oh, this isn't, this isn't like what I remember. Um, and and all my, I have to change all my habits. I have to change my patterns. And that can, I think that can slow you down a little bit. Um, but one of, one of the tricks that I have found myself using, because um, I switched clients last year, 
and went from one client to a very different kind of client, I started thinking about all the things that I didn't like at the old client and how great it was to not have that at the new client. <laughs> um, and, okay. how, and, and, and not in a bad way, but, you know, right. I, I, had a shorter, I got a shorter commute. So, oh, isn't it great that I'm, it's only taking me 20 minutes to get to work instead of an hour? And isn't it great that I'm not in a conference room with five other people for eight hours a day? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and just like little things like that can just sort of switch your mindset around a little bit and, and offset the, oh, my God, I have absolutely no idea how to fill in the blank in this environment that's new. You know, whether it's how do I, how do I get a pad of paper and a pen out of the locked supply room? Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, so to me that's kind of looking, trying to bring some humor and remind yourself that oh, there's really good things about this. Right. Right. So, Ted, let's. How do you coach somebody? How do you coach people uh, through the change? Right. Yes. Particularly, particularly maybe a more uh, more junior person. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good question because I mean, changing assignments, moving on to a new client can be a little scary, a little intimidating. Things that were easy become difficult just because you don't know how uh, the process works. You don't know how decisions get made. Uh, you don't know the norms, um, but it's also exciting, right? Because it's a chance to learn something new, work on a different kind of business problem. It's also a way, an opportunity to reinvent yourself, right? When we left high school and we went to college, a bunch of us probably thought, who's the person that I want to be known as? Uh, and I'm going to shed the skin and, and all of the uh, the warts that people knew about in high school and try to be someone slightly different. Not that we do that on assignments, but um, it is a chance to be known as the person that, you know, be, be, be known for what you want to be known for um, and not have to worry about things that happened uh, in the past. But from a motivation standpoint, it's really, I, I do try to help people in, in the same way that I try to find the, the motivation for what's, what's going to be exciting about this new role or this new assignment, I try to help them find that as well. And again, I come back to the, the centric brand or even your personal brand, and you want people to think that you're capable, competent, a rock star, and how can you make that great first impression? And a lot of times that doesn't mean coming in guns blazing. It actually, right. because right, because then people are going to see it full in the China China shop. Just being very good listener, uh, asking good questions, you know, just getting off to a good start. It's a chance to get off to a, a fresh start, right? Right. I love the fresh start. I think it's a great way to put it. And I think you're so right about, you know, at, at different stages of our life, it's like, hey, I can, you know, I'm going to be meeting a whole bunch of new people. I can sort of craft who I am a little bit differently now and, you know, mature a little that in ways that, you know, my old friends maybe wouldn't have let me do or whatever. Uh, so I think that's a great way to put it. And, and it's also true, you know, that's part of what we enjoy about consulting, right? Every project is new, new challenges. And it comes with a couple different things. One is you, you lose, you know, you lose that credit, right? And you spent a year and a half or two years on a project building up that, that bank of goodwill, you know, and you're saying, well, you don't have it anymore. You can't cash that in. You're starting over from, from scratch. So you have that challenge, but it's also, you know, a positive of saying, hey, you know, I, I, I thought I did OK, but I could do the next time even better. And and that's definitely something cool. You know, you, you touched on something great there of 
of you know how you join in a new project. I think that's a, a topic for future uh, TED talks is on you know so your first week or your first day with a client. You know, I, I personally experienced a couple different things. One is where clients were really excited and impressed that, you know, show up the first day and you had a feeling of what you were doing and you, you could already sort of set a plan. But at the same time, I've had clients or I've been aware of clients who've, you know, responded very negatively, not to me, but to other maybe colleagues of uh, people who just think that they know just a little bit too much and mm -hmm. aren't waiting to sort of soak in the environment before they start making recommendations. So I think there's a lot on uh, sort of that first week and we can talk about that. And, and some of that is building the motivation. You know, I could certainly name a case or two where you start with a new project and like, oh, you know, I, I'm not a fan of this industry. I'm not sure the project is a lot of fun. You know, how do I, how do I build up, how do I put the smile on my face, right? <laughs> how do I say, yeah, I'm going to, this is going to be a great, uh, a great opportunity or, or at least how I'm going to support the centric brand to it. Good point. Right. It's about finding the growth. But the people I think that enjoy consulting the most are the ones who can find the growth opportunity in every assignment or any assignment. Right. And when we've had people leave centric, it's because they don't have that ability. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That that's not a right. bad. That's just that's just a personal trait. They have less fulfillment if if they need to get their motivation from someone else than right. if they can get it from themselves because they're they're constantly going back to that person and saying, well, remind me again why this is fun, <laughs> as, as, as right. opposed to them actually having it internally. Yep. Oh, I, I was just going to add another thought I had as I was listening to Ted and, and thinking of the perspective of, of maybe a, a newer or a person earlier in their career, but some really good advice that was given to me a few years ago was, was to be kind to yourself when you're in those situations. When you're when you're in change, when you're starting over, you know, when you're, when you're trying to find your way, is recognize that you're not necessarily going to know it. And consultants, we tend to be fairly driven. I've you know never been accused of being a perfectionist. To to be kind to yourself and cut yourself a little slack to learn, to embrace the change, to find the path. Mm -hmm. Great. So let's talk about a situation that's the flip side of that. Um, how do you stay motivated when things aren't changing? You know, you're on a project. Like I, I was on a project that I've just uh, rolled off of a couple of months ago. I've been at that client for a year and a half doing a, a role for all that time. You know, if I were the director of my client, I would have rolled myself off six months earlier. I was worried, you know, getting near the end, like, gosh, I'm, am I losing sort of the edge? I'm going to go to a different environment and have a challenge of having to get myself back up to that level of of alertness get, get out of the comfort zone again right because that's one of the things you, that maybe consultants are worried about is getting too comfortable in a client environment so if jill i mean what do you think in terms of you know do you worry about being losing motivation when you're getting too comfortable or you've been in a situation too long i think i think you can especially if it's a repetitive situation so you know as project managers the, the project tends to have a life cycle and then it ends but in some other roles, like staff augmentation roles, you can end up kind of doing the same job over and over and over again, um, and it's mm -hmm. kind of less project-focused. So I definitely think that there's an opportunity to, to get a little set in your ways or um, or a little bit demotivated. What, what would you do yeah, if you, to recognize it and, and do something about it? I was on uh, in a staff aug role for about two years, 
and at one client, and um, towards the end, it, it got a little old. In some, in some respects, I went a little bit externally in that um, I said, you know, this is this is my job. This is the quality I need to do, and I'm doing that in order to. I think I was saving up for a, a big vacation or something at the time, so I linked the two goals together and said, hey, this is enabling me to achieve this better goal. And it you know, kind of kept me focused and, and gave me a, an exciting reason even uh, to be doing something that maybe wasn't in and of itself quite as exciting. So okay. sometimes you need to kind of go external, I think. All right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, anything can motivate, can, mo can motivate you, right? It doesn't have to be just within the context of the work. It may be seeing it as part of a, a, larger, a larger path. Um, so, so Ted, from your perspective, from you know, as a as a BU lead, let's say somebody's on a project a long time, and they came and said, "Hey, you know, Ted, I I want to do whatever Centric needs me to do, but gosh, this is dull. What can we do? How can you help me do something different? Uh, how would you respond?" I usually tell them to shut up and code. <laughs> that, was, that, was an, that was an old expression used back at Anderson Consulting when it was still called yeah. Anderson Consulting. <laughs> uh, we, we want me to edit that out. I, don't, I can edit that out later. That's <laughs> sorry. No, no, I not, not the AC name. The the uh, the joke. But never mind. Uh, Keep going. <laughs> I thought you were going to say. I meant, I meant to say a, a big five consulting firm. Uh, <laughs> no, that's what people would say to us when we were uh, younger. And yes. just like a lot of younger people, we wanted to bounce around from project to project every three months, uh, which is not uncommon when you're early in your career because you're learning so much um, and three months feels like a millennium. We actually have had that exact situation of people getting stale on projects and on clients. And I think it's important for us to try to rotate people. It is difficult, of course, because clients don't, you know, aren't ready to take over yet. And so we kind of have to soldier on and see it through. Maybe this is answering a different question, and maybe it's a topic in and of itself, but we've had teams, entire teams that become too comfortable and they start to lose their edge. They start to adopt, they start to go native and they start to adopt the client culture. And I've had people say, yeah, you know, I'm going into meetings and I'm not preparing in advance for the meeting and I'm not bringing an agenda and objectives and I'm allowing the conversation to wander and go off on tangents and then tangents off of that. And I, I feel like I'm losing the rigor and the discipline that we should be bringing as outsiders. So we need to keep reminding ourselves that our goal is, it's not like we're here to shake up the client environment, but if we start becoming the client, then are we really bringing the discipline and rigor that an outsider should provide? Right. And that people should expect from us. Right. But honestly, the motivation can be difficult. I, I like Jill's example of finding um, other motivation. You know, once this project's over, I get to go on my trip or get on something fresh. I, I think inherently, we haven't talked about this at all, but I think one reason people choose consulting, it's not just the dynamic nature of consulting, but I think as human beings, we pretty much are wired to enjoy serving other people. And we get a real kick, a real joy out of a job well done that could result in one of our clients 
lives actually being improved in some way. Mm -hmm. So if, if you deliver a project well and your client gets promoted, you can feel satisfaction that you actually helped make them look good. And it's kind of that Sherpa mentality that right. we help them get to the top of Everest. No one, you know, everyone knows the name of the mountaineer, but no one knows the name of the Sherpa. But we are perfectly fine with that. We, uh, we Tenzing Norgay. Tenzing Norgay. Yeah. Tenzing Norgay. Tenzing Norgay. He was yeah. a Sherpa with uh, Edmund Hillary, but never mind. He's the one <laughs> rock star dude. Broke the mold. All right. Yeah, you're right. That that uh, I mean, I often try to phrase it for my clients that regardless of what the project is about, you know, my job is to make them look good personally. Um, now, it's I love it when my projects are enough personally focused that I can do that. You know, my current set of projects aren't quite that clear to be able to to do that, or I have too many uh, people that I'm trying to uh, trying to lift up. But it's you know, when you can do that, that's a great it's a great sort of motivation to, you know, to realize how you're helping somebody maybe develop professionally or get promoted or, you know, just get a, get a win or get something a little bit, make their project, make their, make their days easier. When I think about what you're doing right now and what you just said about it, mm -hmm. there, there's, there's absolutely times where it's difficult to find that motivation. And I think it's perfectly okay to grab a peer or even grab your mm -hmm. coach and just level with them the fact that you're struggling a bit right now to find it. Mm -hmm. I know my tendency can be sometimes to feel like I'm weak if I can't find it myself. But anyway, I, I do think we need to lean on each other as colleagues and friends right. um, to sometimes find it when we don't have it. Yeah, great, great tip. One thing that I've done, this worked better at uh, a certain big five firm uh, when, when I, it was more of a team structure, a little more hierarchy to it. But what I like to do with with people I was starting up, you know, they if they were on my team, is to to say, okay, you know, what, what's your objective for this project? You know, what do you want to achieve in this project? You know, what is and also what is success for you on this project? And then I would say, okay, describe for me what is totally knocking it out of the park for you. Now, partly I did that because that particular big five firm, you know, you had very structured uh, performance feedback that was project by project. And it was great if you could start off with somebody sort of defining that and you could use that as a baseline and say, hey, you really did knock it out of the park, like you said, uh, and you, you had that as a basis. But it was also something that you could use to motivate people, you know, and say, hey, I, I know you, you said this is a goal for yourself. And, you know, I'm as your coach, manager, whatever you want to put it, I'm you know, trying to push you a little, hey, do you see your goal? Are you, do you think you're in line to meet your goal? And that was, some of that's a little bit of a, sometimes a kick in the rear, but it's also a, it can be getting people back in the, in the, seeing their their motivation. Yeah, we did that exact same thing, by the way, as part of that quick start methodology. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we, each person would, would capture what, how they wanted to grow over the next six to eight months, you know, over the course of the project. And it could be as simple as a more junior person saying, I, I want to be able to run a well-facilitated, structured meeting. Sure. Uh, yeah. or, or it could be, I want to run more rigorous, disciplined meetings. And each person would, would come up with that list. I, I, I want to be able to, you know, whatever. We, we had checkpoints every, I don't know what it was, but it was maybe every two or three months. 
and we would actually pull out those materials and review them. Yeah, and actually one thing I really liked about it was that you'd get people saying, telling you things there that you wouldn't have expected. Like, like I just described, I want to be able to facilitate a meeting. You might have said, gee, I had no idea you had any interest in whether it's running a meeting or whether it was doing a particular workshop. And you said, now I want to give you opportunities to do it, right? As a, as a manager, it was something where now I want to try to fulfill it. Jill, do you have any thought on that? We haven't um, done anything quite like that with uh, recent teams, but I really like the idea of you know, identifying you know, what, not only what is success, but what is extraordinary success and then being able to point back to that and find some of those things that are a little unusual, kind of go back to an earlier question where, you know, what do you do if you lose motivation or when, you know, when, when you lose motivation? Well, maybe you go back to some of those things and say, hey, you know, you, you had said you had an interest in this and you haven't really had an opportunity to do that, but let's see if we can work it in here or in parallel or, you know, things like that. So it's fodder for rekindling motivation, I think. Right. So talk some about motivating others. Um, and Jill, you use, the, you use the example of uh, uh, donuts, I think it was. And Ted, you had suggestions on, on, you know, building as a team, the, you know, let's be legendary or, you know, let's, it's sort of that chip in the shoulder. Hey, you know, let's, let's get some respect. Jill, how would you approach situation of going, I, I need to help motivate somebody, or I see somebody who needs, who looks like they could really use some motivation. I guess I look at it from a human perspective. You know, hopefully I know them well enough to, to have a, a clue why they might have lost motivation or, or be struggling. Um, I, I, wouldn't norm, I wouldn't just go out and say, you know, hey, you, you, you look like you're not motivated today. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but, yeah, you, you, you pick up patterns. Have they, have they been big contributors in meetings and they're, suddenly they've stopped contributing? You know, have they, um, has the quality of their work slowed down? So if it's, if it's a one-on-one -on -one situation, um, I always try to just have a conversation, just very low-key, and see if I can find out, you know, is there something in particular, is there some particular reason? I mean, it could even be completely external to what's going on in the workplace. I mean, frankly, just changing things up a little bit can make a difference. As simple as putting a really silly joke up on the whiteboard to start the meeting. Um, and change the rhythm a little bit, or yeah. you know, I, I food does it for most of the teams <laughs> I work with. I always seem to be buying food. It just changes the pattern. It breaks the pattern a little bit, and then people can kind of start to to look at it. Or I, I have been in a meeting and said, you know, we it's been a rough week. Um, we've had a rough week, and let's do this one thing differently, or let's just recognize we've had a rough week, we still managed to hit these things, and you know, what are you going to do this weekend? Let's take our minds off it. Right. Rings to mind, I mean, the food uh, brought to mind an example of mine, where the interesting part was, I didn't know the person needed motivation. Uh, and I think that can happen too. You know, for instance, we've been describing here cases where it's, you know, it's obvious or you know, we're trying to solve the problem of motivation, but there's sometimes like, well, hey, let's, you know, what about motivating people who are already motivated or who are in the middle of something? You know, my case was years and years ago in the middle of a system test, something was broken and, you know, an entire team of 25 people was stopped because one person needed to fix one thing and nothing could move forward until that person was done it. And as the manager in the test said, uh, I think it was Nicole was her name. I said, Nicole, what, what can I do to help? And she said, go get me a coffee from Starbucks. 
Now, it turned out she was joking, but I went down the street two blocks, bought her, her coffee from Starbucks and brought it back. And she was so amazed that I don't know if she probably did the same job she would have done anyway, but she was so excited that I had done that and was listening to her that, uh, you know, that, that certainly couldn't have hurt. I said, sometimes we do those smaller things. We don't realize that it's having a motivating effect. So I guess it's just sort of a lesson of, you know, always having to live or act in a way that is going to, uh, you know, serve as a motivation to people. Ted, what do you, what do you think? Anything else to add to that? No, I, feel like maybe, I, I feel like I said the Ted speech there. <laughs> <laughs> you made me think back to, uh, Actually, it turns out it was that same project that I was talking about earlier. And um, I, even though I was the project manager, I got deeply involved in testing. And it was a call center project where there were, at the time, the technologies were still fairly new. And there was a lot of CTI, uh, computer telephony integration. And you can have some real time issues when you're trying to create a screen pop as you get connected to the caller, their information pops up on the screen so you know who you're talking to. And I was doing a lot of the testing and it was really, really tedious and, and well into the night. Um, so there's long hours as well. But I kind of felt like if the client, this was during system test, so it was before UAT. And I just said, you know, if the client finds a bug that I could have found myself, I'm gonna consider that a failure. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of it was, I'm going to find everything so that they don't have to find anything. You know, I don't blame other people for having tedious moments when they're doing testing, especially when you're testing the same thing over and over again. Right. Right. I don't know if I'm just anal, but when I'm testing and I still enjoy testing, part of the fun is not just finding the bug, but trying to find all the variations of it to mm -hmm. actually help the developer figure out uh, what might be causing it. Because if you can find the things that are happening around it, you can actually help start to diagnose, even if you're not in the code yourself. Right, right. So I've uh, been unmuting our online audience here. Uh, anyone have any questions or you know things to throw at our panel, uh, verbally, not uh, physically? Mike? Yeah, I, I, I'd like to say uh, I, I think I can relate to a lot of what you guys are saying. And um, yeah, there's there's a lot of variables that are involved. Um, you know, especially when you're on a long project too, you might be on for a year or, or longer project and it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day stuff and I think a lot of it too has to do with each of us as individuals our passion and our ambition and you know we want to as consultants we definitely want to uh, succeed and make the client happy and we want to deliver and me personally I think I get a lot of uh, satisfaction just from delivering something and seeing it you know in action and knowing that that I help make a difference for that client through, you know, software solutions. And of course, uh, looking forward to that extra bonus is always a big plus too. <laughs> so, because, because Mike is motivated by money. Okay. <laughs> get that plug in. That's good. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, Jill, any last uh, thoughts yourself? You know, for whatever reason, the last week or two, the concept of servant leadership has been hitting my awareness. I think that goes into, you know, motivation. If you could put yourself in that mindset of how do I serve my client? How do I, uh, how do I help? That can bring back motivation um, when you've lost it and it can help you address it in other people. 
if they're showing signs of, of losing losing motivation or needing to get their motivation back. I'd just like to thank everybody, especially the uh, our panelists, uh, Jill Sidoti and Ted Goodman. Thank you so much for your time and and contributions. And uh, while we're getting no promotional money from Daniel Pink for his book, Drive, I highly recommend at the very least getting it from the library. Uh, you don't have to give many of your money, but uh, it was it's a very good book, a lot of good thoughts in it. And uh, it, is, it is something that'll help you sort of shape your thoughts about motivation. Essentials and Balance was hosted by John Cackley and our panelists were Jill Sidoti and Ted Goodman. Thanks for listening.